know what time it is. You know what that sound means. It's time for the hazard hour. It's your dog, two dogs. We got a little ditty to get into today, tribe. It's Sunday. It's the day of worship for all you Christians. So I figured I would come out here and worship with you. And, and, and give you a little word for today. For all the Christians worshiping on a Sunday. For you. Special for you. A good old Sunday mass from your boy Two Dogs. This is the Hazard Hour. You know the deal. We go over the taboo of the tabooist. And I think, based on the information that I've already displayed, all the information that's already been out there, you could say Christianity is a taboo topic. Because are they right? Are the texts supposedly speaking of Jesus actually contained in the Hebrew text? Are the Jews lying? Has there been a mass conspiracy to change the scriptures so that Jesus is hidden? Or the other way around? The scriptures have been changed to make a Jesus. We find out today, tribe. We're going to go into it. We're going to go all the way into it. Because you know your boy Two Dogs needs the answer. So come on, tribe. We're going to go ahead and dive into this. If you're out there just listening and you ain't part of the tribe, buckle up. If you a Christian, have a seat. We gonna get into some explosive stuff today. From the champion, the, the Monopoly man himself, obviously my go-to, Rabbi Tobia Singer. If y'all wanna know more about him, go to JudaismOutreach.com, do whatever that says in the whole thing, look him up. I don't know uh, all, the, all the things for him, so you know, go, go out there and look him up. If you really interested, if it is something that really intrigues you, to know about your God and your religion, to know more about it, check him out. Just check him out. Just, just, don't hate. Don't hate. If you don't believe him, just hear what he got to say. Don't be a punk. Don't 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 be a punk. Don't be a punk. Don't be like that. I'm sick of y'all. Let's get into it. Just a quick note for y'all. Your boy Two Dogs is an ordained minister. No cap. I can conduct marriages, funerals, hospice. You name it. If you want your boy Two Dogs to come over there and console you or lead you to the right path, hit your boy up. If you want me to marry you, hit your boy up. If you got a funeral, hit your boy up. The last thing you want is a fake-ass person bringing you in or out. You know what I mean? So let's get it in, tribe. Let's, let's, let's go all the way in today. 
here we are in the Christian church at a mass on Sunday. Oh, oh, oh. My dearly beloved friends and family, as we dig into this Bible, we are going to take a ride down an information superhighway for you all to see the truth. Where can we start? What will we start with? Maybe Jesus. Jesus. The Messiah. Is he? Let's ask the question. Let's find out from Mr. Soviet. Sovia? I call him Sovia. I'm sorry, Tovia. Mr. Tovia. Let's find out what the real, real dig is. I mean, do we have something here or do we not? Let's let him explain. It's not just that I figured out it's problematic. Uh, uh, an anonymous author in the Christian Bible recognized how problematic this is. And that's whoever wrote the book of Hebrews spent uh, a few chapters addressing this fundamental problem. The book of Hebrews is exploiting a problem, and that is the word priest could be used as a descendant of Aaron, and that's what Christians mean by it, that it's a descendant of Aaron or has the priestly qualities that Aaron had. But the book of Hebrews says this is not the case, that Jesus is a priest according to the priesthood of Malkitzedek. And Malkitzedek, if we go to Genesis 13, 14 in particular, Malkitzedek is the one who blesses Abraham. A priest there means, a coin means there, one who holds office, one who has authority, but not a priest from the descendants of Aaron. So let me rephrase this a little bit. And that is, you can't be both a descendant of Aaron and descent of King David according to your tribe. And in the case of the Christian claim, you can't be, Jesus can't be either, because Christians, when they came to believe that Jesus was born a virgin, which was a little bit later on in the first century, it's a claim not made by Paul, whose letters are the earliest surviving Christian documents. Paul never uh, expresses any opinion that there's anything interesting or unusual about Jesus' conception or birth. In fact, he encourages followers not to obsess with endless genealogies and so on. The author of the book of Mark, the oldest of the four Gospels, also didn't think there was anything remarkable about Jesus' conception of birth and were introduced to Jesus as an adult in the book of Mark. But once the book of Luke and Matthew come on the scene, somewhere around, let's say, uh, somewhere about 50 years after the crucifixion, at that point, they will claim that Jesus was born of a virgin. Now, it's not that Matthew and Luke independently came up with this idea and then they wrote their books accordingly. It was a development in the, in the early church that those who are the Son of God are often born of virgins. This was 
widely known and widely believed in the Greco-Roman world. Famous individuals like the mythical founder of Rome, Romulus, was said to be born of a virgin and God. Pythagoras, the philosopher, was said to be born of a virgin. Octavius, Caesar Augustus, the adopted son of Julius Caesar, was said to have been was the son of God and that he was born. I mean, this is, like Hercules was said to have been conceived by a relationship between Zeus and his mother. So what happened is as Christianity was leaving Jerusalem and moving toward Athens, it was adopting the ideas that had emerged from Greece rather than from Yerushalayim. But once the church would adopt the, the belief that Jesus was conceived supernaturally, that means he didn't have a human Jewish father to trace his genealogy back to Aaron or to King David, and therefore is ineligible to be the Messiah. It's one of the interesting things that here's a Christian doctrine that would emerge, let's say in the 80s of the first century, which actually then sabotages the whole claim that Jesus could be the Messiah. I mean, Matthew spends the first 16 passages of his gospel telling us about the genealogy of Joseph, who Matthew insists is not the father of Jesus. So therefore, Matthew's genealogy and Luke's genealogy that we find in the third chapter of the third gospel are irrelevant because both of them, and read it for yourself, when people tell you one of them is the genealogy of Mary, it's just not there. It's not true. The reason they say that is because they're looking for some biological um, some biological connection between David and Jesus. And the second is that the two Gospels disagree on who was the father of Joseph. Was it Haley or, whether, or was it Jacob? And that's how they resolve it. But it isn't in the text. So the key point is you can't be a Kohen and, this, and a, a person who is of the Davidic house. Now, one caveat, I want to just, the reason I have to sort of roll things back is that people are not familiar with these points. You are assigned your tribe based on your father. The father alone transmits, conveys over tribe identification. That's Numbers How 1, you know? it says verse in 18. Tale, in the book of Numbers, first chapter, when doing the census to know, to identify who's, what tribe is someone from, the way that person is identified is by their father's house, the house of their father. Therefore, let's take me an example. My father's father's father, going all the way back, was Aharon, was Aaron, the high priest, the brother Moses. Therefore, I am a Kohen. I'm a priest. Now, my great grandmother, name is Leah Friedman, she's, but it's a great grandmother, she was from the house of David. That means her father was from the house of David. Got it? But I'm not from the house of David. I could say I'm related to someone from the house of David. I could say that I'm a descendant of someone who's from the house of David. Rashi, the great commentator, 
the most, probably the most important commentator on Tanakh, the most famous of the medieval period. Rashi was from the house of David, but Rashi didn't have sons. He only had daughters. So you could say that his daughters or his grandchildren, grandsons, were uh, were descendants from the house of David. That means they you trace it back, but they are not from the house of David because their father's father's father is not from the house of David. It was going through the month. I hope you get that point. The claim that is being made by the church is that Jesus had the right and authority and the claims that would be appropriate both to the house, of, both to being a Kohen, a priest, meaning a, a priest of Aaron, and a king as a son of King David. That's impossible. It's obvious. You can't be from both the church will resolve this in a way that to Christians, they don't notice the problem. Because to them, when they hear the word priest, they hear Aaron. And when they hear, they see that Melchizedek was a priest, they go, well, I don't know, he must be a priest too. And therefore they say that Jesus was both. They both cannot, one person cannot be both a priest and from the house of David. Got it? Okay. I mean, I'm related to a whole bunch of people. I, I didn't trace this. I mean, there is a genealogical record in my family, but I didn't, if I go out into all the branches and so on, I'm sure I'm related to every tribe because priests are not obligated to marry, a Kohen is not obligated to marry a girl who's from the, who's from the tribe of Levi. He can marry from any tribe he wants to, as long as she's Jewish, as long as she's from one of the 12 tribes. That's all. So, um, so, so this language issue is exploited by the book of Hebrews, and Christians who are well-meaning are fooled by the author of Hebrews who, who seeks to demonstrate that, Paul, that Jesus had the prerogative of forgiving sin, and he was a priest, and, and most Christians go, oh, okay, that's fine. But that's, of course, nonsense. He's exploiting a use of language. The word priest just means someone who holds office. Lechahen is a Hebrew word. It means to hold office. You even have Kayane Baal, you have the priest of Baal. doesn't mean that they were uh, priests in any sense of a Kohen, in the conventional sense. You have the father-in-law of Moses, Yisro. Yisro was a Kohen Midjon. He was a priest of Midjon. Does that mean that Yisro was a priest? in a sense of an, a, a priest of Aaron is? Of course, that's silly. But it, when people are not familiar with the text and not familiar with the Hebrew and then go through the Torah very carefully and are not learning from the Jewish people but they're getting, they're taking their cues from Rome and from Dallas Theological Seminary, so they're going to be find themselves in an enormous amount of trouble. I find it interesting that uh, um, in most conversations I've had, I'm like, well, he can't be both. You know, maybe he was one, but you're saying he wasn't either, according to Christianity. He wasn't from uh, from either tribe. By the time the book of Matthew and Luke, which were both written probably in the 80s, by that point, Christianity was largely a non-Jewish affair. We, we could see that from the letters of Paul, our earliest Christian writings that survived. There may be something earlier, but it didn't survive. So we see that Paul is largely, when he's writing his letters to the church in Corinth, which he had built. Corinth is on the east coast of Greece. He's talking to Glam, he's talking to non-Jews. When he's addressing churches that he established in 
in Asia Minor, what is today Turkey, in the book of Galatians. He's addressing Goyim. He's addressing non-Jews. And by the way, the word Gentile, it's not a Jewish word. You will find it in Romans chapter 1. It's a, it's a Latin, it's a term, it's a Latin derivative. It's not a Hebrew word. But the point is, what we, the, the writings of Paul are very interesting. So because Paul is largely giving advice, with the exception of the book of Romans, to churches that he had already set up who were having some sort of problem, and he's telling them how to deal with problems that they had. So, in a sense, a lot of the information we're given is sort of agavuch. It just happens to be we observe that they're all Goyim. Now, there are some exceptions, like Romans chapter 7, where he makes the point that he's speaking to his brethren, and he's speaking to Jews. We know from Romans that he is speaking to some Jews with it, but largely it's non-Jews, but let's say it's mixed Jews. But that's the exception, not the rule, which means Paul is not dealing with a problem of Jews in the church. He's dealing with the problem of Gentiles who left, who were formerly pagans, and then became Christians. The word pagan would not be known to a pagan. What's a pagan? A pagan is a, a, a word that come, basically means someone who lives in the, not in the city, but out in the, but being people who were idol worshippers, who believed in the gods of, the, of Rome, and then a, rejected that and, and embraced the, uh, the teachings of Christianity. So Paul, we see his letters are all can be dated to the 50s. Romans is probably the last, his last letter that is authentically from his hand. Uh, the earliest letter is probably 1 Thessalonians. So dealing with all the 50s, he's not addressing. The, the issue is not coming up about Jews who had become Christians. In the 50s. So imagine if in the 50s he's addressing Gentiles, not Jews. Could you only imagine what the, the, the scene in the Christian world was in the 80s? By the 80s, we're dealing certainly, we're now dealing with uh, Gentiles, former pagans who are adopting the Christian religion, and for them, virgin births are very important. For them, it's a whole, we're not dealing with Jews. That's the key point. That's who he is, that's who the Gospels are addressing. It's non-Jews. And that's why the Gospels also can um, say things about the Jews that are uncomplimentary because they weren't concerned that Jews would be offended by it because Jews weren't their, weren't their, in, weren't their intended audience. I know I'll get some argument uh, to, about, from people who and that's interesting. That's a very interesting point that he brings up. He brought up some very, very important points for you. As a Christian, he touched on the fact that the Messiah cannot be as you guys claim it to be. You are supposed to look to the Jews. The Bible says, look to the Jews. They are the light to the nations. That's all. When it comes to your biblical text, when it comes to the text that you said you believe in, 
there is no Christian out there who can say that the Hebrew texts are fake because your texts are based off of it. Or so you say. We see that your texts say things differently than the Hebrew text does. Now, is this a problem? Is that a problem for you? If I was to tell you that your book teaches one plus one is three, and you, you can read the original book and you know one plus one is two, you can read it, you can see it. This is what we have here. This is the exact same thing we have here. Because three became the popular number, it changed the entire equation. And that's what I'm telling you to open your eyes to. I need you to turn, I need you to look for yourself. Look in that book. Go on, you know what? A lot of you, you know what? I take that back. You can't go in your book. A lot of your books are in error. A lot of your books are written off the Septuagint that was written by the Catholic Church. This book was corrupted from them. The first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, the, the book that was transcribed, the, um, the uh, LXX, right? The 70 uh, wise men, they wrote down all this stuff and it was all uh, equal. Uh, everybody who knows that story, right? The Septuagint that you guys get offline is a copy that the Catholic Church made, not that those Jews made, because those Jews only made the first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That was the only thing that they took credit for writing. Everything else does not have the stamp of the Jewish the uh, Jewish 70 sages or so. So you can't use the Septuagint to back up your New Testament claims because they were still written. It's a conflict of interest, if you understand. You got Christians writing, you know, their own book, so to speak. You know, and, and that's, that's your Sunday service. And I'm, I'm hooking you up. I'm allowing you the the in the wedge you need you need a wedge some of y'all are giving your whole life savings hoping that your people go to the right place and all that and to me it's just bananas because you know I, now that I'm on this side of the ball because I was a Christian before I was a Christian for 20 something plus years I know the play I know the game plan I've baptized people, I've read during church, I've done the doorman stuff, I've been in the church, I've done all the church stuff. So I know the playbook, I know the game plan. And I'm telling you, when I read the original Hebrew text, it don't say that. Downright outward lies in Isaiah 7, outward lie does not say the word virgin, says young woman. It even lied about the individual. It makes it, in the Christian Bible, it makes it seem like the individual 
they're talking about in the book of Matthew is a future coming Messiah. And that's what he was talking about. Y'all believing Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over the people you should be believing. And that's what he said. Don't look right. Don't look left. Don't trust your heart. That bad boy will deceive you. And some of y'all are so afraid to distance yourself from Jesus that it gets out of control for you mentally. You can't hear it. You'll turn it off. Even when you're even when it's speaking truth. You'll turn it off. Because you're afraid to disconnect. You're you you think that you're going to be doing him dirty if you listen to me or if you listen to anybody like the rabbi. When God originally told you to look for these individuals, they have the right word. But in the, the New Testament, it tells you to hate them. It tells you that they're the spawn of Satan and all this crazy stuff. And that's where some of y'all go wrong. This is where it ends. You know what I mean? And it's just... It's like you don't want to you don't want to listen. All the facts are out there. They're right there. You can't deny it. All the facts are right in front of your face. They're online. But see, people always believe, oh, well, you can't trust what's online. You can't. But when it's it's when we're talking about actual proof text, you can you know what I mean? And everyone says, well, what about the blood? You don't have any blood for your sacrifice. Let's go into the blood. So we're told explicitly in the Bible many times that first of all, you're not going to have a temple for a really long time. Okay? You're not going to have any of that. I encourage you, the viewer, to read Hosea chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. Come on. Now, for real, if you believe the way you believe, go to those verses. Fact check us. Go to those verses and see what happens. He just told you the Jews were already told you will not have a sacrifice, a temple, a king or a priest for many years. A long time. They were already expecting this to happen. That was prophecy. And look at them today. No temple. No priest, no king. I mean, it's dominoes. This is, this is checkmate. And it's not until you can open up your mind to see these things that you'll actually see them. People who will read these two passages will be so shocked. I think it's a good idea for you to sit down when you're reading it. The text literally says the children of Israel will spend a very long time. There'll be no king, there'll be no sacrifice, there'll be nothing. None of these things. Not what the priest wears, none of that. For a very long time, until when? Until the end of days. And then the nation will turn back to God and David, his servant, which is the Messiah, okay? Christians have no clue what to do with this. Why? Because in Christian theology, you have a king, Jesus. In Christian theology, you have a sacrifice, Jesus. In Christian theology, you have blood, Jesus. So what is this passage talking about? This is so clear. There's no inference. There's, I'm not, there's nothing in my sleeves. And I didn't sneak into your home in Malaysia, wherever you are, and change your Bible. It's there. Any Bible you want.
we are told that for a very long time it's not going to be a sacrificial system. And as it turns out, the vast majority of Jewish history, there were no sacrifices. Daniel didn't have a sacrificial system. So the prophets told us what to do. Hosea chapter 14, 2 and 3. Israel, you have fallen in your iniquity. Well, what are you supposed to do? Hosea is addressing the northern kingdom. They're not in Jerusalem. They can't go to Jerusalem. And he's a prophet. He's a contemporary of Isaiah. And he's giving advice to a people who are stuck in the north. And he says, take with you words and return to the Lord. And say, you shall forgive our iniquity and teach us the good way. And let us render for bulls the offering of our lips. Wow. Wow. Let me, let me, let me reread that one more time. This is Hosea 14, 2 through 3. Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God. For you have fallen because of your sin. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all guilt and accept what is good. Instead of bulls, we will pay the offerings of our lips. So basically, instead of a sacrifice, please take this prayer as my guilt offering to you as an acceptance, what is good. So they were already told, look, you're not going to be able to have a sacrifice. You're not going to be able to have a king or priest to go before me and do all these things for you. When that time happens, this is what you can do to get right with me. There is no sacrifice. There is nobody getting their throats cut. There is no heart beating. There is no sacrifice to the moon god. That was pagan. Human sacrifice is pagan. That's what the pagans did. They would sacrifice an innocent person to give love to their God. That's what God told you not to do. So you can't have a Jesus. You can't have a human sacrifice. And first of all, in the book of Leviticus, they tell you no sacrifice will be accepted outside of the altar. Was Jesus sacrificed on an altar? Was his blood put on the sides of the altar, on the horns? Then it is not an acceptable sacrifice. Was the blood burned as was ritual custom? There are many things that you're not factoring in. You just run with this Messiah thing. And that's all I'm saying is, when, you, when it comes to your education of the Bible, it must be militant. If you're gonna, you're, if you're gonna pray for somebody, yeah, you're gonna go up to somebody, I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray for you. Oh, in Jesus' name. Oh, I'm gonna pray for you. Y'all don't know what you're talking about. Y'all don't know what you're talking about. This is your Sunday service. Get up. Wake up. Slapping you all over the face. Wake up. I'm splashing the water on your face. Wake up. I got you by the collar. I'm shaking you. Wake up. Wake up. That's right there. Not only that, I'll go further, but this is good. You're going to just fall. Believe me, if you grew up a Christian, this is so, this is like... Have a so seat. These are tectonic earthquakes. Take the a seat. The prophets openly told us that openly. one day you won't have a temple. 
or you'll be far away and won't be near a temple. What do you do? What exactly do you do? Your question. Yeah, if the would it sound better? They would say, "Believe in if Jesus we, and be saved." But they don't say that. What if they we put say, the music, for example, First Kings chapter eight, verse forty-six to fifty, the temples now is destroyed. King Solomon just built the temple. First Kings eight. The context is it's a prophetic inauguration declaration, a prophetic oracle when the first temple was built, and King Solomon envisions its destruction and the exile of the Jews. It's an amazing thing, okay? So that's exactly our predicament right now. So King Solomon, he's a prophet. He's the author of three books in the Bible. We all want to know what does the mind of God think? Like, what does God think about this? I'm done with whatever is not of God. I'm done with the church if the church is competing with the words of the prophets of the Jewish Bible. But Amen. King Solomon says these things. If you will be in the land of your enemies, far, far or near. near, and you were taken captive because of your sins, you're thrown out of the country. You know, there's no temple, there's no sacrifice, nothing. What do you do? He says these words. He says, I want you to turn back to this place. This is why Jews face towards Jerusalem, towards the Temple Mount, and we pray. Based on this, he says, I want you to confess your sins in heaven. God will hear your prayers in heaven and forgive you for all your transgressions. I'm asking you a question. Could something be more clear than that? Could I have written that any more clearly? That you'll turn your face to this place, confess your sins, turn away from your transgressions, and God will forgive all your transgressions. These words will never be preached from a church pulpit. Never. I'm afraid, my friend, very few Christians are reading the Jewish Bible from beginning to end. Rather, they're selective readings. This is the most dangerous thing in the world. And when they come to these verses, there are Christians who do read through the Bible, but when they come to these verses, it somehow doesn't register because it seems so old, arcane, and expired. We don't do things that way anymore. This, this is a nightmare, my friends. Just... All I'm saying is go back to the original text, look at the context, and also look what I'm quoting. These are not inferences. I'm not suggesting something that's not in the plain text. It's plainly there. And that's why I encourage Christians to go back to the Hebrew. What Christians, I'm going to say this, I know I won't offend Christians who are watching. Christians are much more familiar with the New Testament than they are with the Jewish scriptures. That's the fact. Facts. They know the stories of Jesus, the songs of Jesus. They're very familiar with them. And Facts. in fact, that's what they really read first. In fact, and y'all do Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That's where you start. Jesus loves you by their mother and grandmother as kids. And, and we all did it. Eventually, they begin to read certain isolated parts of the Jewish. Some of y'all are still this doing is what it. goes on. And then what they do is they read Jesus into the Jewish scriptures when he's not there. Right, so right. Reading the Jewish Bible through a Christian filter. A Christian theological grid. So it's completely colored. This is what every child of God should do. Read the Jewish Bible. Let it speak for itself. Don't insert Christologies that aren't there. And I'm going to say this. I hope it won't offend. I mean, I know there are a lot of Protestants watching this show. And I'm sure you wonder, well, how is it that Catholics pray in front of statues, which are their churches are filled with statues, and Orthodox Christians have icons of images everywhere and i'm sure Protestants 
are very upset by this and go, how could you believe something so ridiculous, something so stupid, something so spiritually vulgar? Really, Protestants are blown away by the fact that Roman Catholics have no problem with having statues all over the place. But the Bible says you have no graven images. Let's ask the question, are Roman Catholics just idiots? Are they just bad people? No. Because they're raised with the picture of the of with a statue of the Virgin Mary in every other room, and their mother is bowing or crossing herself to these in front of these statues, they don't even question it. Either Catholics and Orthodox Christians are insane, and you know they're not. It's because this is what they're raised with, and they like the idolatry and the splendor and the liturgy of the church with all its images. So the answer is, my friends. We all want to know what the truth is. That's what we're after. Just go to the Jewish Bible. That's it. There's nothing like that in the Jewish Bible. It isn't there. Now, is it true that Christians could scour the Hebrew Scriptures and come with some text that could be inferred? Jesus, yeah. Of course, I could do, do that with any of this stuff. I've heard Catholics make a whole thing for why the celibacy of the priesthood is... Okay, from the Jewish people. And you see, that's my boot camp. That's what I get down with. That's what I'm listening to. That's the instructions that I got going. And it's not hard to find. It's not hard to find good, credible Bible shit. Ask your, your pastor. Ask your reverend. If some of you got reverend husbands or pastor husbands, ask them. Ask them to go into their, their, their book, whatever they got going, and find out what's going on with Hebrews in the book of Psalms. Why, why, why is it different? Why do those two scriptures differ? Why does the book of Hebrews misquote mad stuff? Why, what's going on? I mean, it's an absolute mess in there. An absolute mess when you actually get out of the weeds. And no disrespect. You know, like I said, I used to be a Christian too. No disrespect to you Christians, but... I find it hard to accept now when people say, I'm going to pray for you. And I know exactly what they mean. You know what I mean? Because this is just based on the book. I'm just basing it on the book. The book says you're wrong. The book. Not me. Not me. The book. The author of who is God who you said you believe. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying that your worship is wrong. It don't say that. Your book told you it says that. But it don't say that. Now I hope you've been able to digest what the rabbi said originally. Or are you still so thick headed that you haven't heard a word. And for you. Maybe the maybe up top ain't, ain't the place for you. <laughs> Real talk. Because that seemed pretty obvious to me. When you have an outright neglect of the scriptures themselves from the New Testament 
outright lies, outright fabrications, just outright misinterpretations. I told you the scriptures to go to in my previous podcast. I'm going to give you that little gem before we leave here today. Look back into Isaiah 7 verse 14. There is no magic virgin birth there. I promise you. Go back. It's a story about a prophet giving a message to a king about a young woman who will have a child that decade within within the couple years. And before that child can mature to where he knows right from wrong or is eating honey or something, those two kings will not be a problem for you. That's what it had to do with. No future. Isaiah 9 is about Hezekiah. Go back, read it. They're talking about Hezekiah. Go back and read it. Uh, we ain't got much time. Psalms 2. Psalms 22. Let's go to Psalms 2 first though. Psalms 2 is kiss the son lest he be angry. It doesn't say kiss the son lest he be angry. Outright lies. It says arm thyself with purity. Why are you changing the text? God said don't change my text. Psalms 22. Oh my gosh. They pierced, they pierced my hands and my feet. It does not say that. I'm sorry to you Christians. It does not say they pierced my hands and my feet. You will open your book, your Christian book, and you will see they have pierced my hands and my feet. But I need you to go online, Google the Hebrew text, go to that exact verse and see if the Hebrew text says they pierced my hands and my feet. Or does it say ka'ari, like a lion, they are at my hands and my feet and the lion theme is spread all over that scripture Isaiah 53 the suffering servant go back to Isaiah 41 Isaiah 42 43 44 45 46 47 I believe 49 50 51 52 53 54 and 55 all identify Israel as the subject that they're speaking of in Israel Israel spoken of, yes, Israel is the individual, yes, Israel spoken of as one person, one conglomerate, one giant organization. They are spoken of as a he, as a him. Go back to Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. God speaks of Israel as his first son, his son. So when, So now when you go forward, you must understand that when God is speaking of Israel. He may refer to Israel as, as the whole people, as a him, as a singular being. You can rewrite Jesus into that all you want, but it won't work when it keeps going. And this is the issues we have. He called his son out of Egypt. Yes, Yes, the nation of Israel was called out of Egypt. Go to the book of Hosea. It's in there. The book of Hosea. He has called his son out of Egypt, not Jesus. There is no Messiah that got called out of Egypt. There is no prophecy that the Messiah would ever have to run into Egypt. I bet my life on that. And I already have because I don't believe the Christian text. So clearly to you, I have bet my life. Right? But see, this is the problem. I don't have to worry about texts that have been corrupted. You do. 
I can actually go to the original text that I'm basing my, my stance on. And I can go into that text. I can pull that word out. And I can match it to the word you have in your Septuagint. And I can call foul. Ka'ari does not mean to pierce. Psalms 22, you can't have it. There is no, they pierced my hands and my feet. So where is your Jesus now? Isaiah 53, we crushed y'all on that. You need to wake up. This is not a game. They're coming for y'all next. Some of y'all are giving you a whole life savings. What are you doing? This is a journey for yourself. This is your Sunday service. You can either choose to accept it or run and hide again. But it's not going to change the truth. You see what I mean? It's not going to change the truth. It is what it is. The texts don't lie. I promise you. Go to your computer. Google Hebrew texts. Go to your favorite Christian verse. And, and, and prove it. Prove me wrong. Prove the rabbi wrong. Show us. Show and prove. You're supposed to look to the Jews as the light to the nations. Why aren't you? The Jews aren't supposed to go out and recruit people. They're supposed to be the example. Now I'll give you that. What we see in the media, who runs the media, all that stuff isn't flattering. But that's not the Jewish people that God's talking about. God's talking about his righteous remnant that's separate from all of Israel. Those are the people who will get the rewards. Those are the people that will need to bring Jacob back in. Because now it's all of Israel, where all of Israel will do the Lord's bidding. And that's the problem. A lot of people read Isaiah 53 and they say, it sounds like he's talking about two people. He's talking about the righteous remnant. And then he's talking about that righteous remnant being an example. And then all of Israel coming back with that righteous remnant. These are things that you need to get into if you're trying to really be, I don't know. Whatever y'all trying to do with your lives. But don't go around saying, bless me and I'll pray for me. And I'll, y'all don't know what you're talking about. A bunch of charlatans running around here talking about, I'm going to pray for you. And you keep them prayers to yourself, bro. I can do bad all by myself. I don't need you cursing me, Holmes. And that's just the bottom line. I brought the facts. Disprove us. Disprove me. Disprove the spider clan. But not for me. For you. You're supposed to guard your Christianity like a, li like a tiger, like a lion, right? Well, bring everything that I've just set up and disprove all of it then. If you can't, you must surrender. Because we're not playing. This is the hazard hour. I told you we're gonna bring the funk. We brought the funk. I don't play. I brought the heavy hitters in. I brought you Rabbi Tovia Singer with OutreachJudaism.com. Go see him. Go check out his his whatever he got going on. His videos, super crazy. If you're a Bible person or if you're a debater like me, I like to hit the streets in Atlanta, shake it up with the Hebrew Israelites down there, have a good talk or two, talk or three. Shoot, we could talk four or five hours on this joint. 
But I know some of you don't got the hop from it. So I let the rabbi do a lot of my heavy lifting. But you need to check him out if you're really interested in this Bible stuff. Don't ever say you're going to pray for me if you're a Christian. That's all. That's, that's just what I say. That's just me. Save your prayers for yourself. I already brought the truth to you. If you're going to go ahead and deny it, that's you. But denying is lying and frying. You will be. Well, I don't really believe in the hell, so... I guess you'll just be non-existent. But that's it that for today. That's the, that, that, that's the Sunday service that we got going for you. It's Sunday. You know how we do. We're trying to come with it. We want to... We want to bring the podcast to you as much as we can, but obviously it's, it's, it's based on our schedule. So if we can get to you, the Hazard Hour, we're going to get to you. Make sure you hit the email up, thehazardhour911 at gmail.com. We'll read your questions out online. We'll, we'll, we'll answer anything. Bring it. Bring it. We don't just do this Christian joint. We can get at you with the moon. Y'all ain't never went to the moon. We still with it. We took, we, you know what I'm saying? You know how we get down. It's your boy, Two Dogs. This is the Hazard Hour. You know where to hit us up. Hit us up on the email. Hit us up on the Facebook page. Hit us up wherever you can get at us. We will read your question. No matter what platform you hit us up on. Instagram, Facebook, Gmail. I suggest you go to the Gmail because that goes right to uh, my phone. So I suggest you hit the hazard hour 911 at gmail.com for any questions that you want us to read uh, or any uh, questions that you may have or, or just just holler at your boy. You know what I'm saying? Well, we'll read that too. You know what I'm saying? You know how we do the hazard hour in full effect. We back, baby. Podcast number two from the break. You know how we get down. Sunday service. It's your boy, Two Dogs, and we out. Peace.